TGIF, everyone. This is Tawanda with another chance to bridge the gap. And we are back here today with former Judge Fred M. Mosley. He's been with us all week long talking about himself in reference to some of the things he's done in life, his journey, and some of the highs as well as some of the lows. And, of course, the laws of life as well as how it relates to each of us. And I tell you, it's really been a truly, truly amazing week in information and so much has been shared, so we're not going to prolong it because we have a lot of information today. We have Nicole that's on the line who's recently shared some information with us and so on and so forth. So as we get ready to begin today, um, I want you, Nicole, to meet Judge Fred Mosley. He's a former judge, and he'll share a little information about himself, and I'll send you his bio and information. However, one thing, as I want to share before we begin the call today, um, Judge Mosley, I had Nicole on here a few weeks ago. Nicole talked about her story of being incarcerated for five and a half years, and first week of June, she'll be going home. She's actually in a transitional center right now in Atlanta. Yes. Yes, sir. So, um, Nicole, share a little bit about who you are with um, Judge Mosley, and then we're going to kind of get into why I really want you to talk to him today and for him to share some information to you and so on and so forth. So just tell him a little about yourself and to anyone that listens to this call today that hadn't had a chance to listen to the last show where you shared about your life and some things, um, they'll get to find out a little more about you today as well. Go ahead, Nicole. Okay, well, I'm definitely, um, I'm Nicole, and um, of course I'm from Georgia. Um, like Ms. Columbus said, I've been locked up five and a half years. I'm getting ready to come home. Um, I have one daughter, so I'm, I'm real eager to get out and um, get everything back going. Absolutely. Now, one one thing we didn't talk about um, the first time, and one thing I've learned about Nicole, because Nicole has been working with me for about seven or eight years, so she's definitely really great when it comes to communicating. In the five and a half years of incarceration, um, share a little bit, Nicole, of you actually went home one time, and this is what people don't know, and I know that Judge Moses, he comes in today, he's going to reference what laws of life this is and kind of share with you and ask you a couple of questions. You actually had went home, and you were home for a period of time, and then you actually went back. How long were you actually home? Uh, I was home a year. Uh, I was home a year and two days, actually. And uh, on the first sentence, I actually did four years. And then on my on this sentence right here, I did a year and a year and a half. So I did a year and six months. So with going home and being home, doing four years in prison, you went home, you were home for one year and two days. Share with us what led you back to prison. Um, Really, uh, <laughs> a man, loving a man, trying to be that, that loyal, ride or die, no matter what, cheap. So it got me... You know, it got me sent back to prison. Okay. All right. And when you got ready to come back to prison and turn yourself in, you told me about a conversation you had to have with your daughter because your eight-year-old daughter, you told her when you came home 
I'm home now. I'm not going to leave you again. She was in school. And, and tell us a little bit about you had to go in and, and tell her you were leaving again. How was that? Oh, Lord, that was like the worst day ever. Um, I actually, uh, well, she had been, you know, I had been preparing her um, because, of course, my parole officer, you know, he, he was uh, good enough and, and sweet enough to um, give me a week, you know, to get myself together, to make sure she was going to be okay and stuff in that nature. So I had been preparing her, you know, the week before that I was going to have to turn myself in. So uh, that Monday, he actually had called, he had his um, secretary to call me. And she was like, uh, your parole officer is ready for you to turn yourself in. So, of course, you know, she gave me the time frame. And um, I went to the schoolhouse, and, and Mackenzie was already outside of the room anyway. So going up to see her, um, she she knew it was something. She just didn't know uh, exactly what I was about to tell her. But once I told her she was crying and I finally got her to calm down, but I did make a promise to her when I had first got home that I would not leave her again. And um, it's crazy because just the other day when I was on the phone with her, she brought that up, and it just had brought tears to my eyes. And like I told her, I was like, well, when Mama come home this time, Mama focus on you so you don't have to worry about Mama coming back to prison. Okay. All right. One thing you don't know, Nicole, is one of the things Judge Mosley does, he has something called Laws of Life Court TV. So today we're going to kind of do a role play um, as if you were in his courtroom. Because what you shared, and I know one thing about Judge Mosley, he's always ready for these type of things. You talked about being in prison before for four years, and then you went home for one year and two days. And you mentioned being violated and going back something dealing with man and love and all that, and now you're going home the first week in June. All right, and you're also relocating. You're moving from one part of Georgia to a bigger city in Atlanta near your job. Okay, Judge Mosley, talk to Nicole a little bit about Laws of Life Court TV and what you do and the type of people that actually come into your courtroom in Laws of Life Court TV. I in Laws of Life Court TV. Basically, what we do is apply the laws of life to various fact situations. And what differentiates us from secular courts is that secular courts take a fact situation and they apply the laws of man to that situation. But in Laws of Life Court TV, we can take a similar or the same fact situations, and but we draw from that setting or that situation the laws of life that apply to that particular situation. Now, I don't know whether or not the one who wants me to go into some extent to your situation at this point, or she plans to do that later in the program. No, but that, there that's are exactly laws of life. what I'm looking for. That's exactly what I'm looking okay. for you to, to share with her about that. See, several laws of life immediately that apply to Nicole's situation, one being the law of agreement. How can two walk together? except they be agreed. So most times, uh, Nicole, when my wife and I minister in the prisons in the state of Texas, and there are certain laws of life that generally always come to the forefront, one being the law of agreement. 
And most of us aren't familiar with the fact that the relationships that we have oftentimes are the relationships that cause us to transgress as it relates to man's law and God's law that brings us into a situation of incarceration. Incarceration. Now, going back to your matter uh, for the moment, that relationship that you had was primarily what brought you into the penal system. I ministered in prisons in Texas, not just Texas, but in Florida, all-female prison that we went to. And many of those ladies and the female prisons that my wife and I ministered in in the state of Texas also, many of those ladies were incarcerated as a result of relationships that they had, and those relationships fall under the law of agreement. And again, that scripture says, can two walk together except they be agreed? Worldly parlance says, birds of a feather flock together. And what happens, Nicole, is that once we get into a relationship that is not a godly relationship, and the devil will use that. This is one of the primary uh, strategies of the devil is to get us involved in relationships that will bring about the downfall of that individual. There were some ladies that we saw in Florida who had 20 to life sentences. Some of those ladies had not been home for 10, 15, 20 years. Their children had grown up during the time period that they were incarcerated. But I just touched upon the law of agreement because we have to be careful who we come into agreement with. And when I say agreement, who we hang out with. And also, one thing we want to remember, Nicole, is that the enemy knows what brought you in in the first place, what brought you into the institution, what caused your incarceration. You can rest assured, and I say this from personal experience, you can rest assured that the enemy already has set aside or has assigned somebody to bring you back into the institution. Now, that's what recidivism is about. Recidivism is about the enemy recognizing what caused that person to violate in the first place and to bring about the similar circumstances. It may not be that same fellow, but the, the enemy has another guy there that he's already assigned to try to bring you back into a situation of incarceration. Now, another law of life that your matter involved is the law of captivity Deliverance and restoration. Sin, regardless of the nature of the sin, if you stay in it long enough, will always ultimately evolve into a period of captivity, bondage, and or incarceration. Now, there's another component of that law of captivity, deliverance, and restoration, and that is the law of deliverance. And that's what you're about to experience now deliverance in the natural, and also hopefully deliverance in the spirit realm. And what brings about deliverance in the spirit realm is that we have confessed our sins and we have acknowledged what we have done and asked for God's mercy to move on that situation and lessen the penalty that we have coming. So I perceive that the fact that you're now coming close to being released again, that now you're in the stage of deliverance. 
But there's a third stage of captivity, deliverance, and restoration. And that third stage is, as I just mentioned, restoration. God does not deliver you and does not plan to restore you. God will give back to you everything that the devil has stolen, including the great relationship with your child, including a good job, including also bringing you the right person, the right male figure, hopefully the right husband that he would have to be in your life. But the thing that you really want to be careful, because most inmates that I've seen leave the institutions, and I don't know whether or not you are aware of someone has mentioned to you, I served seven years and four months in federal and state prisons. Most inmates, when they prepare to leave, and I'm sure you can attest to this, the first thing that comes out of their mouth is, I will never be back here again. I've learned my lesson, and this will not happen to me again. They will not see me in this institution, any other institution, again in life. And that revolving door is right there in so many of those individuals. And they meant it when they said it, but they didn't realize that the enemy already had a trap set for them disguised as recidivism to bring them back into the institution. So you just want to be mindful of relationships and make certain that you stay close to God and being led by his spirit in everything you do and everything you say, and most importantly, as it relates to relationships. Wow. Well, Nicole, I know you didn't even expect to get any of that. Just on the different things that Judge Mosley just said and the different laws, I know you have several questions because one thing is I know you don't know what laws life even is. So what are your thoughts and what's kind of sticking out in your mind in reference to some of the things you just said? Well, what really uh, has stuck out, right, was when he said the fact that, um, you know, getting ready to walk out the door, we always say we're not coming back. And, it, you know, I didn't never look at the fact that the enemy had already put, you know, had, had already had a settle to bring me back to prison. So it just, you know, that, that really, like, hit me because I didn't look at it in that way. You know, because the, the guy that I, um, the guy that I actually got locked up behind, like, I've known him for 12 years. So to actually hear that, that was like, dang. And it's funny because he he has not reached out to me since he, he knows I'm at the transitional center. And the the conversations that he was having, I was like, oh, no, uh-uh, I, can't, I can't do this. Because I realized the whole, um, it, it'll land me right back in, in prison. So I immediately had cut him off when, when I heard uh, some of the things that he was saying because right then I knew that it wasn't something that I needed to get back involved in. So I, uh, a, a lot of things uh, hit home, and it was like, wow. Mm. Well, let me ask you this, um, Judge Mosley, in reference to her, like right now, I just She's going home the first week in June. She's moving to Atlanta, Georgia, which is about four hours from where she's from. She's getting ready to start over again. She has an eight-year-old daughter. 
she's going to have to build a whole new team of supports because she's not from Atlanta. So you said that before she left the last time, the enemy had already worked something out that she was going to fail then, but she's not going to fail now. So talk to us about laws that apply to her life now because we know with supports of all of us and people she's going to meet, that the enemy is not going to get her. She's not going to fail. She's going to succeed. She's going to have the law of success. Yes. Certainly she wants, still using that same law of agreement, she wants to be in agreement with people that uh, bring a healthy aspect to relationships, the circle that now she's uh, putting around herself. Also recognizing that the enemy always tries to strike at a time that you may be a little disappointed, you may be a little disgruntled about something, but guard those moments. Because those are the moments when that person that the enemy has set aside will go out of their way to try to put themselves back into your life again at a time that you may be at somewhat of a low ebb. And that's going to happen. There are going to be some times after you're out that you're going to be disappointed about something that you thought would have gone a little better than it did. It could be a job. It could be something else. But nevertheless, keep in mind that in those times, those are the times you really need to be prayed up, praying for the Lord's protection and for the Lord to give you the strength not to yield to any such temptation as that. Now, also, there's another law of life that applies into almost every situation is the law of sowing and reaping. Be not deceived. God is not mocked whatever man soweth that shall he also reap. You planted some bad seeds. I planted some bad seeds. As a result, we got a negative harvest. You did, and I did also. But there's a way that we can reverse a negative harvest, and that way is by way of planting good seeds. And you know an opportunity that the Lord will bring to you? He will bring to you some other young ladies that you can minister to, some other young ladies who are about to make the same or a similar mistake that you made, that you can speak into their lives. You can pray for them. You can encourage them. And as a result, you're planting good seeds and it's going to bring forth a positive harvest for your life. So you want to keep in mind the law of agreement and the law of sowing and reaping. Also, you want to be mindful of the law of the gift. God has given each of his children a particularized gift, talent, special ability, and that's where you, the success is going to come for it, for you. Now, in your in this job setting that you're going to, you want to pray that the Lord puts you in a position in that particular setting, whereas the gift that he has given you will have the greatest opportunity to be expanded upon. Also, you want to be mindful, which I'm sure you are to some extent, of the law of authority. Now, will you be on probation or parole? Uh, you have com- totally completed your sentence. Uh, I, I actually, uh, once I get out, um, I will still have two years on parole, and then I got eight more years on probation. Okay. That's important to know because oftentimes when individuals are released, they just assume that I'm free. To some extent you are, but to some extent you are not because parole only extends the boundaries of your consignment. 
In other words, when you were in the institution, the boundaries of your consignment with your sales, the pod that you were in, and within the barbed wire fences that are, uh, you were controlled by. But the only thing parole does, you have some of the same rules that you had when you were confined. The only difference is that you have a larger geographical area that you can move around in. You're still under authority. And also you want to be reminded of the fact that there will be people who will look down upon you once they learn that you've been incarcerated. But don't let that bother you. And I can say that with conviction because I deal with it almost on a daily basis. And the fact that you want to keep in mind is that the God that you serve is the God of restoration, and those people who would look down upon you, but for the grace of God, they could have been in the same setting you are in or maybe even a worse setting that you're in. So you have to come out, not prideful, but you have to come out thick-skinned. You have to come out thick-skinned to the fact that whatever doors the enemy will try to close on me, God already has another door that he has already opened. There's some who say I had difficulty finding housing because I had been incarcerated. God can always open a door for good housing for you. Some have said they had a difficulty getting good employment. God can always open a door, which he already has, for you to get a good job. So do not of the fact, don't accept anybody's logic that because you've been confined, that that means you have to accept a lesser lifestyle, a lesser role in life, because God can give you just as much, even more so, which makes your testimony a greater testimony when you can work around all those that say that these barriers would be in your way. I'm going to give you a quick example for me. I had been a federal prosecutor, state prosecutor, defense attorney, and a judge. Uh, And certainly when I was incarcerated, had to come back not being able to do any of that based upon man's law, the attitude of most people I knew was that I would never be used again in any significant way. But as I shared on a previous program, God gave me even more than I had before because he gave me Laws of Life Court TV, Laws of Life Forum, being able to teach the Laws of Life and travel around to various institutions, speak before a congressional subcommittee, speak before the Academy of Medicine, and all of that I would not have had if it had not been for what I had to go through in those seven years and four months of incarceration. So don't let anybody convince you that you have to accept less because you've been confined. In fact, God will give more to you. That, that is definitely a lot. Paul has something to say, but one thing I want you to add, if you can share, she talked about her daughter that's now eight years old. And um, so being in a year and a half, I guess she was like six, getting ready to be seven then, and she had told her, I'll never leave you again. So her daughter was disappointed, and now that she's on the way home, her daughter's a little apprehensive. And her daughter is eight going on 15 because she's extremely smart, very smart. So talk about forgiveness and rebuilding a relationship between mom and daughter. Well, that's going to come with time and faithfulness. Now, of course, you've already said to your daughter that that will not happen again, but your daughter wants to see that in action. She wants you to reestablish yourself in her life. Nicole, I had to do something similar. 
When I went away, I had three daughters. One required special attention, and they were school age. Other than one with special attention, she had to go to a special school setting. So can you imagine? And certainly, first of all, you have to be mindful of this, uh, what your daughter's having to deal with, the fact that her mother has been incarcerated or is still incarcerated, and who perhaps knows, and maybe nobody knows, as they did. See, my case was a public case. It was all over the newspapers. So it's something that I could not hide from my children if I had wanted to. But what I had to do over the – first of all, when I first came back home, I couldn't come back in as an authority, being in a, as an authority figure. Although in the spirit realm I was, I had to take the position that I can't go back in trying to give orders and put things in place immediately. I had to slowly do that and somewhat earn my way back into my children's lives, such as with your daughter. You don't want to go back as an authoritarian in her life. You want to go back as someone who understands what she's had to go through as a result of your being confined and also earning her trust. And the way you earn her trust is that don't promise her anything that you cannot definitely promise to do that you know you can fulfill. Because right now she's at a point that because it appeared that you misled her before, certainly was not intentional, but nevertheless it was the case. She is very cautious with respect to truthfulness of what you say to her at this point. And you're going to have to show her by way of daily example. You're going to have to re-earn her trust by way of fulfilling what everything you have to say to her. And as time goes along, she will come to accept and the, the fact that you are a person of your word and that you're going to fulfill. Keep it in mind, Nicole, you've got to remain in steadfast prayer on a daily basis, praying that the Lord will give you the wisdom that you need and the discernment that you need to walk the walk that needs to be walked. And any time you find yourself deviating one way or another, then you have to recognize, repent of it, and ask the Lord for mercy and help you to work your way through that situation. But back to your daughter again. You've got to earn her trust again, and that comes by way of your daily walk uh, in front of her. All right, Nicole, are you there? I'm here. Any thoughts about all of that great information? And, and that's exactly what it is. It's, it's great information. You know, it's things that you know that you really don't think about unless somebody actually uh, takes the time out of their day, uh, like the judge did, and, and really explain things and really break it down. And uh, it, it's amazing. And uh, I, I just want to thank him uh, because. I, I never look at it in the way that he's explaining it, and it is. Uh, I just thank him. Well, well let me welcome, ask you this, Nicole. Nicole. Absolutely, Nicole. Like, and with the time, like you said, when I come home, I'm going to be on probation this time. I'm being paroled this time. Like, and, and and honestly speaking, because this call today, I know it's going to help you because he comes with wisdom. And he's been where you are and going through so many different things. Um, and for those that get the opportunity to listen to this, we're all going through something in life. I learned a long time ago 
either you're in something, you just came out of something, or you're getting ready to go through something. So this is information we all can use. Take what you need and share with somebody else. So, Nicole, as you're on the brink of coming home in a couple weeks, starting over, working, so many different things, talk to Judge Mosley about some things that you're concerned about or that you might be a little kind of apprehensive, like I'm not really sure. Um, so we can kind of process through thing, these things because success is definitely um, what we know is going to happen for you. So talk to us a little bit about that, and he can share how the laws of life can apply to your life in those areas where there's concerns. Uh, I, I really think uh, one one of the major uh, battles that I'm actually having right now, and I, you know, I think it's funny that he was talking about, you know, how the devil can can throw up stuff and, and this and that third. And uh, I, I just had a situation that happened over this past weekend, and it was like, um, being that I am so close to coming home. Everything's like hitting me all at one time. So I have a, a I only have one brother, and uh, he's married. Well, apparently it was an issue with me using a fallout address there, whatever, whatever. And she literally like uh, had told him that either. It was me or her. So she was basically saying that she would give him a divorce if he chose me. So I think uh, going out and really, um, because I don't have any family in Atlanta, so it's a whole new environment for me. My brother, he lives in Jonesboro. So uh, from where I'm at, that's like 24 to 30 minutes. So coming now, you know, I have no family in Atlanta, and uh, I already have a job, but uh, one of my biggest fears is finding someone that uh, Mackenzie is comfortable with being with while I'm at work until they start back school. So really the stability, shaky family situation, stability, support system is real shaky to narrow that down. And we know how important the support system is to our life and to our freedom and to our success. Are you guys there? Judge Mosley, are you there? I'm here. Yes. I'm here. So yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure. So yeah, so that's basically um she's looking for a little insight when it comes to you know, a lot of times we when someone's coming home they have a, a, a good support system to come home to a good stable place to stay and she has a real shaky situation. Those are obstacles as far as the place to stay. The brother said, Hey, yeah, you can come stay. The wife says, Oh no, I don't want her to come stay <laughs> Then she has to get her daughter. So talk to her a little bit about obstacles and some different ways to maneuver according to the laws of life and not losing hope on the way. Well, one law of life that immediately comes to mind after listening to Nicole share that information concerning her housing arrangement once she is released is the law of prayer. Nicole, you don't have to be consistently in prayer. And there's the law of prayer. 
This is the confidence that we have. Anything we ask according to his will, he hears us. If he hears us, we know we have the petitions that we made of him. Nicole, I'm, I'm, I assume that you are a praying person. But not only do you need to pray in this regard, but do you have any prayer partners? Any prayer partners in the institution? Uh, no, sir. And that's, that's going to be important. You're going to need some people praying for you, praying for direction, praying for that situation with your brother and the wife, and because to come out into a volatile housing situation, that's going to present a challenge in and of and by itself. And we prayer that needs to be going forth by someone or some preferably a prayer, prayer, uh, prayer group on your behalf with respect to that situation being resolved in a way that it can be a situation of peace for your daughter, for your brother. You don't want to be the person going to break up your brother's marriage, but I would assume that there was probably some problems before uh, the fact that you may be going there to live. So there's some issues that really need to be addressed and prayed about because one requirement, as you you know and I know, of your parole or probation, whatever the status of it is, is that you have to have stability by way of where you're living and you must be working. And then again, you've got to be mindful of the fact that you cannot be around trouble. And what I mean by that is that if you're in a setting, as you're probably aware, where the police have to be called, whether or not you're involved in any kind of altercation uh, any kind of any kind or not. And if you're there, you're going to have to report that to your probation parole officer, whomever it is, any contact with police. I remember an occasion I had a friend of mine who had come out of the institution. I met while I was confined. He needed a ride to his parole officer. He didn't have a way to get there, and uh, I've forgotten what was happening with the bus, but he called me and asked me if I would take him uh, for his meeting. I drove him downtown and left him there, and uh, he had a ride to get another way back. And, you know, Nicole, I thought about the fact as I was driving back home that I was in violation of my parole driving around with another parolee in the car with me. So I share that with you from the point of view, you, and I'm deviating from the, the question that is before me right now, but I just want to make you aware that any friction, any controversy, turmoil that may result in any kind of police activity of any kind, you have to be very careful of because it could impact you. But back to, again, to your living situation, it's going to require prayer and for the Lord to put things in place in a way whereas it can be a peaceful setting for you, for your daughter, and it does not bring about any agony for your brother who is reaching for you as his sister, whom obviously he loves. Alton Cole's going to say something. One thing I want to kind of circle around, um, Judge Mosley, and ask you this. Since Nicole hadn't heard your story previously, can you talk to her and share with her a little bit about how was the laws of life actually birthed and developed? You know, when did God speak to you about the laws of life? And, like, what is the vision for it, the need for it and the vision for it? Talk to us a little bit about that so she can understand what these different laws are and where they came from. 
Well, again, I had been on the bench when I was indicted and convicted. And, Nicole, I could not understand what had happened in my life. I was operating on the top level of the criminal justice system or the American justice system as a judge, former prosecutor, former defense attorney. And here I am now as an inmate and going to be an inmate in federal prison and an inmate in state prison. I could not understand what could have happened. How could I have fallen as low as I had come to fall? And I had been a believer uh, all my adult life, even back into my teen years. I had attended church and had confessed Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I left the door open for the enemy, and as a result of it, I paid a price for it. And when I first entered the federal institution, and I was not in a cell because the setting I was in was not cells. There were rooms that we were in in, in, in a federal prison, a prison, a federal prison camp. And Nicole asked the Lord, how did it happen? How could this have happened to me? Not that I'm an exception, but I needed to know what I knew to some extent what I had done wrong, but I just couldn't imagine it going to the extent of me having to be put in jail. And for a long period of time, I was facing. So when I started to ask those questions of the, of the Lord, speaking to my spirit, the Lord impressed upon me that I had planted some bad seeds. I had planted some negative seeds. And there's a law of sowing and reaping, which I've mentioned before, that be not deceived, God is not mocked, whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. As a result of having planted those bad seeds, I had opened the door to a negative harvest. And as a result of it, that's what I was experiencing. But then the Spirit of God impressed upon me that he was going to show me how to how to turn a negative harvest around into a positive harvest. And God gave me, gave me the charge at that time that he wanted me to learn how to develop laws of life and learn how to teach laws of life to the body of Christ. In order to do so, I had to start in the book of Genesis, going all the way through the Old Testament, into and throughout the New Testament, developing these laws of life as absolutes. And God gave me some natural examples of absolutes because he said in order for me to understand the spirit realm, how these laws of life operated, I had to be convinced that there was some absolute in the natural. If there are absolutes in the natural, then I could accept the naturals, the, the absolutes in the spirit realm. One or two very quick examples. Uh, you may be aware of the fact, I'm sure you are, anytime water reaches 32 degrees Fahrenheit, it automatically turns to ice. That's an absolute. And even a non-believer would would have not have any problem with the fact that that is an absolute. Water will freeze and turn to ice at a certain temperature. There's another natural law. Two dif- the shortest distance between two points is always a straight line. We accept that in the natural. So the Lord showed me a number of natural laws that are absolute that we accept as being absolute. Then he started to teach me the spiritual laws that are, are as absolute as those natural laws including but not limited to the law of sowing and reaping, the law of agreement, the law of faith, the law of prayer, so forth and so on. So in that time period that I was confined, I was developing 
the laws of life that God had given to me because, first of all, I was a, I was allowed to share those laws of life to the inmate population while I was confined, and God was preparing me to share the laws of life once I was released by way of speaking engagements, by way of books, CDs, DVDs, and other ways things of the viewing public. So the laws of life primarily, and I'll try to capsulize it, the absolute divine rules that govern the consequences of our actions. Everything we do and everything we say, we're activating one or more laws of life, either in a positive or in a negative way. And for a person to appreciate the laws of life and the impact that these laws of life have on our, uh, on our respective lives is that we have to understand it in the natural that there's some absolutes that we accept and adhere to. One that's often used by most people in ministry. You talk about the law of gravity, that it's an absolute. What goes up must come down. It's the same thing in the spirit realm. If I put certain things out there, certain things are going to come back to me. If they're good things, good things are going to come back. If they're bad things, bad things are kind of going to come back. And it's like, these are absolute laws of life. Wow. Nicole, does that make sense to you? you kind of, does that kind of flow with the stuff you're yeah. saying? Make sense? Yeah. Any questions about that? No. Okay. All right. We have about 15 minutes, so I have three laws of life that I want you to kind of share about. But let me ask you the first one. And um, the law of bearability. Talk to us about that. Coming from, I think, 1 Corinthians 10.13. Yeah, and that's included in and under the law of escape. But the law of bearability, God knows in his infinite wisdom how much we can handle. Because he knows how much you can handle. He knows better than you what you can handle. To one, he knows better than you what you can handle. And certainly he knows better than me what I can handle. And so often I'm reminded of an old song, and you two ladies may not be familiar with it, for he knows. I'm so glad he knows. He knows just how much I can bear. And, Nicole, when we go through those periods in life where we don't know how we're going to make it, how the things have come down on us so heavily and so hard that we don't see how we can get through it, I go back to my time of incarceration, especially after going through a three-week trial in the federal system, then having to go and deal with the companion state charges. I can see how in the world I could bear going through what I was going through with all the bad publicity that came along with it, being facing a total of 132 years of incarceration, I did not know how mentally or physically I could stand up to that, hold up to that, how I could bear it. But God knew that I could. And you know why? Because God knew and he knows what he had embedded in me. He knows what he has embedded in you. And he will not, and this is the point we want to make, he will not cause us to experience or to bear more than he has given us the grace to be able to bear. That, you know, that time period I was in the federal system, had no idea what 
I was going to have to deal with. But God made that one of the better experiences that I've had in life. Who would have believed it? Who would have thought that going to a federal prison, although it was a federal prison camp for 40 months, that was God's mercy that got me out much sooner than I was scheduled to. But who would have thought that could have been a period of great aggrandizement and being very beneficial? Going into the state system, there were men there when I arrived that knew that I was coming who had appeared before me on the bench. And, of course, my question about how in the world can I bear going through this kind of experience? I know there are going to be some people that dislike me or hate me or want to try to set up a trap for me. You know what the God, God knowing what I could bear, gave me the strength to be able to stand up to it, but also most of my friends now are people I met in the prison in the federal prison, and in the state prison. God knows. He knows how much you can bear, and he knows certain experiences that we need to go through to cause us to see how much we can bear. And that bearability is based upon what he has embedded in us, and he will not allow us to be tempted or to have to go through a situation that's more than we can bear. And you know what? You just said something I didn't even really think about in reference to you being a judge, having sentenced people and actually going to prison. Oh, wow, that's a whole other story. Um, yes, however, is. God is able, and God definitely covers you, protects you, and um, still work that situation out. So I'm definitely glad to hear that. Talk to us about the law of pattern, First Timothy 1.16. If you look around in the natural if you're near a window to wander and the cold you're near a window, if you look out, if there's some trees out there, all those trees in a pattern, they don't, they don't just grow up wild and help skelter. There's a pattern. When you look at the grass or the field, there's a pattern to the grass. You look at the flowers, there's a pattern to the flowers. Everything that God has made, there is a pattern to it. And that is that is true as relates to our life experiences. Most individuals do not look at the pattern of their lives. And what I mean by that, if you take the time, now I'm well along in years, but I can look back at certain things that occurred in my teen years. I can look back at certain things that occurred in my 20s. And then when I look at it very closely, I can see almost a repetition of certain things. I can see a pattern that that has taken place in my life, a pattern of failures and a pattern of success. I can see what brought about the pattern of failure, certain activities, the wrong people, wrong activity, whatever it may have been, I can see that pattern taking place. And as a result of getting involved in certain things, being with certain people, it brought about a certain pattern of defeat in my life. The same thing, a pattern of success. There's certain other things that I may have done, I've been inclined to do, that as I continued in those practices, it brought about, about a pattern of success. Nicole, even in your life at this point, you can see a pattern. It may not be to the extent of the pattern that I've seen in mine being, uh, having been on this earth much longer than you. But nevertheless, 
if you look back at your teen years, there can be some things that you can see that seem to repeat themselves after so often. In your 20s, you've already mentioned a relationship. There's a pattern there. And uh, each time you got involved in that pattern, it brought about a certain result. And and one another thing about a pattern, that once you recognize previous patterns, you can see when you're about to go into another similar pattern. And if that pattern is a pattern of bringing about a downfall, it was a pattern that brings about destruction, then you need to cut and nip that thing in the bud right away to make certain that you don't fall back into a pattern that was a destructive pattern. Sometimes it's a thought process brings about a destructive pattern. Oftentimes, as we said before, certainly associations can bring about a certain downward spiral of pattern. So there's a pattern to life, and we want that pattern to be a pattern of an upward swing as opposed to a downward spiral. Absolutely. All right, all right. I said three more, but I actually have four more total. So I got two more, and we got 10 minutes. So let's get this in. Talk to us about the law of forfeiture, Ezekiel 10 and 8. And then I have one more after that. Law law of forfeiture. There are some things that we can do that shuts the door for other things that could could have been beneficial to us in life. If I'm negligent as it relates to my health and my teens and my 20s and my 30s, when I get to my late 40s, 50s, 60s, and so forth, I'm going to pay a price because based upon my earlier activity, how I treated my body or failed to deal with my body in a positive way, I have opened the door to to a detrimental situation as I progress in life. So in that regard, I forfeited to a great extent, to be, to being able to walk in good health in my latter years. Also, a felony conviction. Now, it does not have to be something that closes the door, absolutely, but there are some things that are forfeited. There are certain jobs you cannot hold if you have a federal con- have a felony conviction. There's certain jobs, there's certain places that you cannot even live with a felony conviction. There are certain occupations in life that you will not be able to hold because that felony conviction will cause the opportunity in that arena to be forfeited because of the felony conviction. I can go on and on and on. The point being that there are some things that we can do in life that shut the door to us being able to do certain other things, but also keeping in mind that it may be a forfeiture concerning man's rules. God can always work around that forfeiture once we submit ourselves to him, lean on the mercy of God, and trust him to even go around that setting of forfeiture and open some doors for us nevertheless. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And to close us out in the last law that we're going to talk about today, because tomorrow we're going to be talking to a different group, a group of singles, sharing information. Then next week we have some really unique things lined up. So the last law that we're going to be able to share today on here, just mostly talk to us and close us out on the last law for today about the law of direction. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him, and he will. That's an absolute. Direct your path. 
Now, right now, Nicole, you're concerned about some direction once you are released. And trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't try to figure this thing out in your mind as to exactly what you should do, how you should do it, when you should do it. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lord, I don't know what totally what to expect. I have some general idea as to what I'm going to be faced with, but I need your direction. I need your timing. I need every word that comes from my mouth to be something that you have orchestrated. And I'm going into another area now. I thought I had it under control before. I came, I went in, I came out, then I had to come back in. I don't want to go back this way again. And I don't want to put my daughter through this again. God, I need your direction. I'm not going to be influenced by other people trying to direct me other than other godly people that I know are hearing from you. But God promises that he will direct our path if we put our trust in him. And that's what the Lord is saying to you, Nicole, to trust him. Day and night, you've got to read the word. You just can't trust. You can't trust if, if you're not familiar with what God is saying by and through His Word. You've got to read the Word. You've got to pray, and you've got to trust Him for direction. And that not only applies to, to, to several of us who are on this call, but it applies to anyone else as it relates to getting direction, godly direction, in their lives. All right, all right. Well, we only have a couple more minutes left. Nicole, I'm going to go back out to you. Any questions that you have for Judge Mosley, any comments, feedback, now is definitely the time. Well, I I really just want to thank him because he gave me a lot of information that I did not know, and he also gave me a lot to really just sit down and, and think about. And, you know, it, it's such a blessing to have, you know, people like him come in your life and, and sh- you know, really just break down things for you to give you an understanding of, you know, things that could happen, that can happen, you know, and and just being a positive inspiration and motivation. Thank you so much, Nicole. We're going to You're be absolutely welcome. And one one of the things, like, we can have calls like this, but we have to have something we can read over be able to study, and that's something that he's actually developing through the book series of The 50 Laws of Life, which will be available very, very soon. And then he'll be able to have study guides and resources on each of the laws. So when you heard a law, like, and I know you're probably not writing this down, but out of all the different things he said today with any of the laws, is there anyone that you remember that stuck out to you, Nicole? I think the one that really just forgot to me was the, was the law of direction because, you know, right right now I'm definitely in need of what direction to really take, what direction to go in. But, of course, I know, uh, like the judge said, praying and, and staying in the word and continue to, you know, give it to him. I know that he's going to get me through this. Absolutely. And and guess what? This may be your first time having the opportunity to talk to Judge Mosley. However, the best is still yet to come through the book series, through the Laws of Life Court TV, through the speaking engagements. We'll definitely be working on getting him to Atlanta, to a huge platform, because he has a message to share with the world that no one has ever heard before. And he has the experience 
to share with that message, and I'm so excited about it. So, Judge Moly, add her to the team um, because we will make sure that she has direction. We'll make sure that she has super success, her and her daughter, and we'll make sure those things are in place. So when she gets home that first week in June, she'll hit the the ground running, and it's just going to be sunshine from there. And we know it's not going to be easy, but we know that it is going to happen because we are going to pray. If you talk to you about the law of prayer, and we're going to have love, the law of love, and those of us that can work together and, and touch and agree, it's going to, it's going to happen. Um, I'm super excited about that. Judge Mosley, thank you so much for sharing all of this information. Thank you for the consistent days of driving over the speed limit with us, sharing it. And as we close out today, will you close us out in prayer? Father, well, we Thank you for this time we've been able to spend together. We thank you especially for Nicole and the heart that he has to be to return to society and be about the right thing, be about the things of the kingdom of God. And right now, we just pray for a special anointing on her, blessing upon her. And Father, let's bring the, the necessary resources that she needs. Give her the direction that she needs in order to stay on the straight and they are continue to bless my dear sister to wonder as she goes about breaking the speed limit and for kingdom purposes on a daily basis, trying to bring forth the word that you would have for a listening audience and whomever else to hear. So, Father, bless them and everything they set their hands to do on this day. Father, we expect a good report based upon what we know that you have promised, and we will be careful to give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. In the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. 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 God bless you guys. Have a good weekend. Blessings.